The following is a production of Art Trap Productions, brought to you by the Gallifreyan Embassy and has been made possible by supporting subscribers and donations from listeners like you. This episode brought to you by Pachak Supporting Subscribers. Go to arttrap.com slash supporter to become a supporting subscriber. Support the show and get extra content and other bonuses. This episode brought to you by Hover. Please visit hover.com slash to get 10% off your domain registrations. This episode brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download at audibletrial.com slash Over 85,000 titles to choose from for your iPod or MP3 player. This episode also supported by the Pachak Podcast Companion app for the iPhone, iPad, and iPod Touch now in the iTunes App Store. Live from a small villa outside of ancient Rome, it's Doctor Who Podshock. Doctor Who Podshock. Okay, well, let's do it. No, I <laughs> you know, whatever it is, if it's valuable, send it to us. <laughs> <laughs> For the best in all things Doctor Who, it's Doctor Who Podshock, the podcast all about Doctor Who, the longest-running science fiction television program with Louis Trapani. Hello. Ken Deep. Hello. James Norton. Hello. News. Fabulous. Reviews. Oh, no. And fan mail for James. Uh, over 40,000. Doctor Who Podshock from the Gallifrey Embassy. You know, that guy James was really cool. Oh, yeah, we blew that. <laughs> I'm the Doctor, and who are you? Who are you? The Gallifrey Embassy presents Doctor Who Podshock, episode 262. My name is Ken Deep, alongside Mr. Louis Trapani. Hi, good evening, good afternoon, or good morning. Across the Great Pond, joining us tonight is Mr. Uh, Dave A.C. Cooper. Good to be here, guys. And over in Germany is Mr. Graham Sheridan. Oh, and what did Louis forget? You forgot good night. <clears throat> Didn't I say good evening? I don't good know. night. <laughs> well, all right, well, <laughs> I, I consider them one and the same. Evening, night. Well, unless you mean night, meaning night in shiny armor. <laughs> or, you know, nights of the round table. And you mentioned a small villa there, but uh, you didn't mention Avon. Uh, yes, a small Avon as well. <laughs> well, it's... Uh, <laughs> Big Finish has these uh, Blake 7 audios coming out now. Dave, I don't know if you saw that. I know you're a, a, a Blake oh, 7 yeah. fan. I am indeed. I. That they are, they're doing, they don't have the rights to do full audio dramas because that's B7, I think, that was, remember they did that. Um, Sevenfold mm-hmm. Crown and a few others like that. Well, they did a re-envisioning uh, with a different cast ah, a yeah. few years ago. And so I think the the rights for a full audio drama may be with B7 Productions, but um, Big Finish is doing audio books with partial cast, and they start coming out, I think, in January or February 2012, so I'm, yeah, as a Blake like, 7 fan, I'm quite excited like the, about it. Yeah, it's like the Companion Chronicles for, for the... Yeah, for something along which. those lines of, of what they do with the Companion Chronicles. Yes. And, and if you want to listen, and we're talking about Big Finish, a certain member on this podcast, American side... Um, appeared on the Big Finish podcast. I did. I had a cameo on the Big Finish, the most recent one. Well, who knows when the podcast podcast will come out, but the one from Chicago Tardis. Yes, I, I have a few questions thrown in in the mix there. 
Yeah, and that's out on the feeds already. And, and about Blake 7, as a matter of fact. Good. You didn't ask about tripods while you were there, were you? Uh, they did talk about you tripods did. a little bit. That's something that they wanted to... Um, they were one of the franchises they were attempting to get, and they actually... Jason Hayellery mentions about how they had proposed doing the third book as an audio drama and releasing it as part of the the DVD box set of the first two seasons and how they just couldn't work it out in it and it never materialized. But since then, there are uh, the audio, regular audio books, a straightforward read of the four tripod books because there's a prequel now as well. Mm. Brilliant. So a Doctor Who podcast turned into Blake 7 <laughs> and Tripods. Well, we now this... return to Doctor Who Podshock after we get done with Hitchhiker's Guide Heck... to British Sci-Fi. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> yeah, we're due for another episode of Hitchhiker's Guide anyway. We'll be reviewing the Sarah Jane Adventures, the latest series. So Lewis may be rebranding this at some point. <laughs> <laughs> we'll put it out on both feeds, cover all bases. So I hope everyone's doing well. It's I can't believe we're in December already. We're in the holiday season and... It's, um, well, the, the weather here in New York, as Ken probably can attest, has been pretty balmy for this time of year. So it doesn't even feel like, you know, we're one fourth of the way through December already. Well, and yet the UK has been battered by terrific storms uh, today uh, in Scotland. Uh, gales up to 160 miles an hour in places. Unbelievable. Yeah, so the. Said you know, the Daleks didn't warn of an oncoming storm, or no? <laughs> Guess not. Uh, no, and he keeps well. Dave's getting terrific storms. We're getting untrific storms. We're getting their leftovers. <laughs> Shabby storms. Yeah, it'd be enough to enough to live your kilt, I should think. Don't behave. <laughs> well, we have one more episode to do of Doctor Who Podshock before. Um, the Christmas special that's coming up, but that's um, something that's up on the horizon. And and I believe since, um, no, actually last episode, they, they, the title was announced. So it's um, we have the title, we have the date. The date has been confirmed for Christmas Day. Yeah, we have the prequel, which is available. The prequel available. is on our site, yes. Which is, um, I don't know, the prequel just really, I mean, I, it didn't really excite me to be honest with you it's just i mean if you haven't seen it really and it doesn't i'm not giving anything away but it's really just the doctor talking to amy and she's not there you know in in the tardis i think from it's um don't want to spoil anything but it will make a lot more sense once the episode's gone out on air there are certain things that i've seen where okay this now makes a whole bunch of sense this prequel so, if prequel doesn't make a lot of sense, just wait till Christmas Day. Yeah, obviously it will it will probably fit into the storyline once we see the story. Though, so, um, thanks. Yeah, and uh, also up on the Gallifrey Embassy, we've got uh, an interview with Matt Smith about the um, the Christmas special as well. And BBC yeah. America has confirmed that it is going out on uh, Christmas night as well, I think at 9 yeah. p.m., which is Eastern. the usual standard uh, yeah. Doctor Who time slot. Yeah, so both of them, will, I mean, we'll be both getting them on Christmas Day. When I say both, I mean U.S. and U.K. I'm not sure about Canada, the Space Channel, if they're getting it the day after or the same day. I don't know. 
so far I've heard there's rumblings it's supposed to be on the same day as well, so it's supposed to be the same across the board. Okay, great. We're this is what we've been, you know, hoping for all along is, you know, same day broadcasts. Of course, those in New Zealand and um, in Australia are probably griping, you know, that they're not, I, I don't know if they're getting it the same day. I, you know, I just know from the past, they haven't. Yeah. And four days previously, here in Germany, we're getting episode one of series five. Ugh. And is this the first transmission of that? Yep. First transmission of series five. And uh, it'll be on <clears throat> the Fox channel. Anybody who likes TV movie know why I'll say that. And uh, basically it's on one of those upper tiers uh, of things as far as I'm aware from people who actually have uh, digital cable over here or uh, Sky TV. Uh, and am I right, Graham? They, they haven't actually shown series three or four over no. there yet. The weird thing is, we got we had series one was put out on the Pro Seven or Pro Zeman network a couple of years back. Then the Sci-Fi Channel, as it was still known back then from Germany, uh, bought the rights to show series one and series two. But next to nobody watches the Sci-Fi Channel over here anyway. Not even the people that are into science fiction. So is that. And basically, we're completely missing series three and four. So we'll never have those translated by the looks of it. So the Fox Channel is going to start off with Series 5, uh, hopefully going on to Series 6, and then all my mates over here I can use to go and buy the DVDs because it'll be in English and German for at least for a change, and not just English, which is the problem we have now. So, yeah, still better than nothing. Oh, might even get on iTunes now. That'd be nice. Yeah, well, we're, I'm guessing they'll be available in a, in the U.S. on iTunes. The you know as they have been in the past. I think the the following day, so Boxing Day in the U.S. Well, though we don't really call it Boxing Day. <laughs> yeah, you don't go out and watch boxers. <laughs> don't you have any dogs on your street or what? <clears throat> Sorry, <laughs> I didn't. I didn't even think of the boxing uh, boxers, dogs. You know the dogs. Yeah. Yeah. So, do you want to move on to the BBC iPlayer? Well, it, it'd be, it's a good segue since we're talking about yeah. Doctor Who broadcasts. One way to get it would be through the BBC iPlayer. If it, only if it was a, if only the global BBC iPlayer was actually global. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've been back. I mean, okay, I could understand up to this morning Lucy's frustration. The global BBC iPlayer was has been available in Europe uh, for a month or so now, and it got an update. And then I went and looked at it, the update and went, oh, let's see what they're doing to update it. Maybe we'll be lucky. Maybe it'll come onto the iPhone and the iPod Touch. And voila. And my, as my jaw hit the floor, blooming heck, they have done. So... I haven't got the subscribe bit yet because I'm going to have to wait until I've got money in the bank again. Well, you should back uh, up a little bit because before that, it was available on the iPad. iPad. Yeah, so right, yeah. now with That's this latest update that was, as we record this today on Thursday, I believe it's the 8th of December, it was released yeah. on the iPhone and iPod Touch as well. Yeah. So 
basically uh, it was restricted just to the iPad. Now it's on the iPod and the I, the iPhone. And um, I've had a little chance to play around with it. There is absolutely, I want to say sh totally shed loads, but there is a lot of Doctor Who on there. You have one story from the first Doctor, uh, which is, uh, I'm trying to remember, actually I think it is the Romans. Is it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, funnily enough. Uh, then you've got the one doctor, uh, the one story from the second doctor is the tomb of the Cybermen. The story from uh, the third doctor is the one that Dave's been watching, which is Spearhead from Space. And then the fourth doctor, I forgot which one it was. Um, fifth doctor is Enlightenment. And that's it for the early doctors. And then you can watch the whole of uh, Series 1 for um, Eccleston. You can watch Series 2 uh, for Tenants, uh, plus the Christmas special. Now, it's the thing with this app that is there is some, there is some free content to get your sorts of juices flowing and like only fools and horses. But at the moment, the, one of the bits of free content is, much as I don't like it, it's still free. Um, is the uh, Christmas Invasion, which mm -hmm. is the Doctor Who offering. Now, now, as far as the app goes, and just a slight little review on here, uh, I switched on to Wi-Fi to get this working on the iPhone, and uh, it works. I've got an iPhone, iPhone 4, and it works fluidly. Uh, there's no jumping or skipping. Like, if anybody is used to using the, uh, the iPlayer in the UK or uses it through other means, like, people in some people in Canada do um, the fact is it doesn't jump or skip it's as if the uh, whatever you're watching is actually uh, a a uh, file already synced to your device so it plays really well uh, I'm very impressed uh, look through the um, like the catalog of stuff uh, as first of all for Doctor Who but then you've got all sorts in there there's literally tons of stuff there's Blackadder uh, and all sorts of comedies uh, that you might want to watch as well on top. Uh, pricing. Now, I haven't been able to look at the price properly because you only really get told of it. Now, we were looking at $11 in the States. This equates at the moment, uh, Europe-wise, to €6.99, which is fairly uh, cheap. And, you know, that's that's per month, obviously. All Sorry. right. So that's per month. Uh, that answers my next that's, question. That's per month. So uh, there's ton, like I say, there's an absolute ton of content on there already. Uh, gets added to more and more, and it's may, may, probably only a matter of time before we're literally uh, getting this stuff maybe delayed a day or a week. Now, when you say uh, they're adding more and more, are they taking anything away when they add more? In other words, are would they would like replace the the Romans with um, another episode? You know, um, what, uh, you know, of William Hartnell. You know, or. Well, it, it, it seems like, because there's, there's this argument that I have with a, an Australian friend of mine. Well, it's not so much an argument. He's just doing it to some people. It's, uh, seasons against series. We actually do say series in the UK yeah. and seasons in the US. It's quite odd that on the iPlayer, uh, it says series, and that against Doctor Who, when it's actually see, uh, see, it says seasons instead of series. And what it says is season one so i presume more and more stories will come to it uh i was aware that the uh tom baker uh, stuff was put on and they haven't taken it off so it's going to be a heck of a catalog on there because right now they have nothing from the sixth or seventh seventh doctor 
No, that's coming. There, it's literally uh, there's the message. You'll get the message on on the the um, BBC Global uh, Stroke iPlayer uh, Facebook group, and they'll say uh, if it's well Doctor Who related, then they'll put put it up on the Doctor Who Facebook group as well. Uh, this week, this Doctor's been introduced. They have done for the previous five Doctors so far, so it's looking good and getting better. Yeah, I'm just looking at the Digital Spy page, and uh, that says the content is expanding. I mean, not just Doctor Who, but other classic shows such as Faulty Towers, Only Fools and Horses, yeah. Sherlock, of course, uh, with Stephen Moffat as uh, main one there, Luther. It also says they're going to do a deal with um, uh, program distributors, uh, DRG, not quite sure who that uh, links to, but it means that there will actually be uh, programs from Channel 4 as well as the BBC coming to it, including Peep Show, Black Books, Green Wing, Father Ted, uh, and Shameless. And um, it said uh, apparently they've been running a, a trial of this global player for six months. Uh, and on average, 75% uh, of the subscribers access the app every day. The survey also indicates that 35% of the viewers are watching more than one program per visit uh, to the iPlayer app and 25 go on to browse the app after watching a program indicating that the corporation is successfully monetizing its long tail of content now for those in the uk you don't have to pay right for the a monthly fee you that's part of the uk license is it yeah the the uk version which is free to use by all people who pay their TV license. I mean, in actual fact, if you try and stream something, a little message comes in, you know, are you a licensed payer? And you have to click that. Basically, you... Yes, I am. <laughs> yeah. But the point is that um, there will be, as far as I understand it, more content on the global and the paid-for versions. Uh, what happens on the UK version is that things time out. Uh, some cases, uh, programs will only be there for uh, eight days. Uh, sometimes if there is, um, let's say there's a three-part drama, uh, parts one and two will still be available until so many days or mm -hmm. a month after the third part airs. So um, to give people who, who find, let's say they find something on TV and it's already episode two, then they can go back to their iPlayer and catch the first episode. They, they haven't sort of written off that series just because they missed the first one. I find it great. I mean, um, I mainly use it for catching up things like um, uh, The Click, which is a, tech, uh, a BBC tech show and things mm -hmm. like Sky yeah, at Night I know, and so on. And I do occasionally, of course, uh, watch Doctor Who on it because um, there are occasions when, you know, relatives come round. <laughs> on the wrong day, you know. Can't believe it. Yeah. Well, I mean, it sounds... Yeah. I, I was just going to say, it sounds similar to the... A ABC is a network that we have here, as well as NBC, and they both have iPad apps. I don't know if they um, have anything for the iPhone yet, but they do have iPad apps, and I know the ABC one will only show, like, the last... the most recent, like, four or five episodes of a current television series that they're showing, so... Uh, which is fine for a lot of U.S. shows, which aren't continuations. They're, you know, that part one, part two, that, you know, they're capsulized, you know, each story is capsulized in one episode, so... Uh, but for... in the U.K., when you have many shows that are, you know, parts one, you know... A continuation type of stuff it could be 
frustrating if you if if the one that you're missing you know the one that they don't have in the iPlayer is the one that's missing you know the, uh, yeah. one thing I'll just add because I think Ken wants to come in here is the uh, I believe that the Xbox 360 is getting a bit of an upgrade and part of that upgrade is having the iPlayer on that oh is it? I knew about the upgrade but I didn't know that the, the iPlayer was going to it so I mean, other other little programs that are just I say little programs, but other programs that are available. The original Day of the Triffids from the uh, from Ooh, the 80s. Love that. And uh, if you if you like the if you like your Fifth Doctor and you want to see him in something else, All Creatures Great and Small is on there, which is brilliant. Uh, now I was just there was also things there's things like concerts. Now the little bits I was also forgetting Doctor Who wise is Doctor Who at the BBC Proms the 2010 one. Though that's all with Matt Smith. Uh, there's Doctor Who Confidential. Now it's gone. Uh, a special that seems to be only available here is one called Doctor Who Daleks Forever. Uh, Doctor Who episodes featuring one of, of all-time classic villains for the Daleks. So that's all. That's a fairly uh, fair few. You get you get Dreamland. Uh, one called Doctor Who's Greatest Moments um, from series one to four. Uh, like I say, the Eccleston years, the Tenant years, uh, Infinite Quest, that was the one I was thinking about. The Infinite Quest, which I've been putting off uh, buying for quite a while, uh, is now turning up on this as well. So there's all sorts in here. Um, like I said, there's also Black and, and all sorts of other stuff. Um, earlier EastEnders. Um, I'm just flicking through just quickly. What's one here? Classic uh, adaptations such as Jane Eyre as well. And... Jonathan Creek and ah, oh, it just goes on and on and on. So, um, well, before you go any further, we yeah, should just make a point that that it's um, it's not available in the U.S. So that's yeah. that's the caveat right now, and yes. that's probably to protect yeah. BBC America, you know, and their distribution and and their audience. You know, I'm sure that's probably what it comes down to. They're trying to yeah. protect their but investment. It has appeared in Canada, hasn't it? Canada's just got it. Mm. They have they, sure. they have the iPlayer in Canada now. Yeah, uh, I'm reading uh, BBC plays the uh, brings the iPlayer app to Canada, dated the second of December. Uh, BBC still hasn't released its popular iPlayer app for the iPhone and iPad in the US yet, but it has appeared on the Canadian App Store. Hmm. Now that makes me wonder about the Xbox. Are, are they going to limit that to outside of the US as well? Nah. I don't know. I, I I'll have to I'll have to upgrade my Xbox and see if it's there now because I know they're rolling this week. They just rolled out the update. If it, wasn't it yesterday, I'm not sure. Yeah, the the update is quite literally well. It is now yesterday for me. So <laughs> it's tomorrow for you. Yes. It's, I, well, why can I help it? Type forty is highly unreliable. <laughs> Well, you had mentioned Doctor Who Confidential, and I know there was some word that there was um, actual an actual um, I don't want to say episode, but there was footage that was shot, you know, for the Christmas special, and now that footage is um, just going to be laid to waste because the show is no longer the BBC right. has decided to to axe the show. So I'm wondering whether or not we're going to see this footage, maybe not in a Doctor Who Confidential episode, but maybe. I don't know. I, I mean, I don't know what yeah. they're going to do with it. So rumours started with the Sun newspaper. And uh, nothing the Sun likes better. Uh, it's Now, to give you the bit perspective, uh, point of perspective, 
to look at this. The Southern newspaper was the newspaper that went out Mondays through to Saturday, or is this a newspaper goes throughout Mondays through to Saturdays, and on Sundays there was the News of the World, which is now being closed down for their dodgy dealings. So, but they're still the Sun is still going. So it's the Sun that brought out this thing that apparently £50,000 have been wasted on this Doctor Who confidential. There's nothing like the, the Sun and the Daily Mail like better than having a dig at the BBC for wasting money, especially when they keep saying that they've got none. Now, uh, we had points of view on Sunday. The uh, If I remember rightly, I have put this up on the Gallifrey Embassy website. And basically what it is, is the interview uh, with the BBC Three controller. Now, he was he was honest, but seemed a little trite, and the way it was handled was probably not the way we'd have liked it to be seen. But at least it was brought up. Basically, what the uh, controller BBC Three, uh, BBC Three said, uh, in short, paraphrasing at best here, is that uh, they've had a good run of six series on this. On Doctor Who Confidential. Uh, confidential. There's only so much uh, one can show, and he's partly right in that. A lot of people can agree with that because who really needs to see Karen Gillan uh, getting driving lessons? Having <laughs> driving lessons. Okay, I could slightly understand that um, with Arthur Darville and Sharks with last year's Christmas special having sharks in it. So a little bit of information. <laughs> it's a bit of a stretch, special. but yeah, it's a little bit of a stretch. But I know I sort of got the point. Okay. But it is right in the fact that it's, it's, it's partly that you know um, it's 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 been it's had six seasons, yeah, a, a series, sorry, and uh, you know what much more you can do. Uh, well, I thought well you could trim it right down to fifteen minutes, have an interview with any special co-stars that have come in just for that episode. And uh, maybe keep it at that, and maybe sort of show how some specifics for for that specific uh, episode, whether they make up or explosions, uh, are done. Uh, now, the way I meant it was being handled by the BBC was the fact that uh, people were asked to tweet in or email with their questions, which they got by the thousands, and I mean by the thousands. Whatever what ended up happening was there were two tweets put up. And directed at the uh, controller from BBC Three, and that was it. A little bit pathetic, I know, but um, it looks like they're doing the sort of thing of um, the the child that says it's my toy, and no, you're not going to get to play with it. It's mine. It's mine. It's mine. It's a sort of the semi the way it did come across, at least to me. Other people might have seen it differently, but it's just the way it seemed to come across to me. It's mine. Mine train set. You're not going to get to play with it. So, uh, but it is an answer at least uh, so far. So, yeah, it's not coming back. Now, the shot bits that have been done, the bits have been recorded. The uh, all they had. Now, I don't see how ten minutes of film constitutes fifty thousand uh, pounds. Not unless it's a, a big, uh, like a main episode. Uh, this is Doctor Who Confidential, where they're basically running around with the HD camera, uh, doing little shots of this, that, and next three in the background. It doesn't really cost that much. So basically, there's 10, mi 10 minutes of that. What will happen is, according to the controller, that the 10 minutes will be put on, on the interwebby tubes, 
that the 10 minutes will also be included in whatever little uh, document uh, documentary stuff that goes on to the release of the DVD in January from this mm. year's Christmas special. Yeah, so I figured that. The DVD, that's, that. That's basically the long and short of it to put all the nasty rumours to end. So basically, no, it's not coming back. There is 10 minutes of film that was shot, but no, there's no complete episode. <laughs> that was it, basically. Those were the answers we got from uh, last Sunday. Hmm. Uh, just before you discuss that, I just want to add, uh, I've just been checking about the Xbox 360, and although the new thing has gone out, there is going to be a slight delay in the deployment of the BBC iPlayer. It will only take place early next year. So I don't know. I don't have my... <laughs> I don't have confidence, but we'll see. We'll see if it comes to the US. What about Paranoia? Oh, sorry. Wrong <laughs> podcast again. Uh, that went over my head, but okay. <laughs> Red Dwarf. <laughs> Red Dwarf episode, power, Confidence uh, and Paranoia. All right. No, I, I probably missed that one. Doctor Who link being there that Craig Ferguson is confidence and he always has Matt Smith on his show. Well, I say always, often. Anyways, moving on, moving on. <laughs> well, any other Doctor Who news that we need to cover? It's, I know. I know. It's right before the the Christmas special. We spoke about the 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 prequel, but the, the, the prequel is using the same sound. <laughs> that that same klaxon it shows up in that prequel again. That sound from the alarm, because uh, again, without giving anything away, the doctor's uh, pressing the alarm, and it's it's yeah. It's like that. It's the it's like the running joke you get from um, sound editors all over the world. Uh, whether they be in film or what, there's a screen that was specifically, I can't remember what film it was back in the 40s. Oh, you're talking keeps... yeah, yeah. Talk about the screen, the, um, uh, what's his name? That, um... You know what I mean. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, mean, I, I forgot his name now. Yeah, there's a specific screen and it keeps getting reused in all sorts of, even new stuff as well, and the same sort of tire screeches and all that sort of stuff. And this is basically the Doctor Who variant on that idea. You're talking about Wilhelm? Yes, the will That's, That's one. <laughs> uh, the other thing in news I can see, and uh, this is probably uh, very much uh, a UK uh, phenomenon, phenomenon. <laughs> and that is uh, quite a few of the uh, Doctor Who ex uh, people are in pantomime season. But I uh, don't know whether that's really something that you want to mention here, other than we should mention perhaps Fra Fraser Hines in Snow White and the Seventh Dwarf at the Embassy Theatre, Skegness, from the 14th to the 31st of December. Bonnie Langford's in another. Colin Baker is in Jack and the Beanstalk, and John Barrowman is in Robinson Crusoe. I suppose Bonnie Langford, uh, uh, she's in Jack and the Beanstalk as well. Oh, both in the same place? No, I don't think so. Oh, I need to win the lottery to get back. <laughs> I see Bonnie Langford in Ponto. <laughs> well, uh, hopefully later in the in the episode where um, we'll have part two of the Fraser Hines interview, Lewis. Yeah, absolutely. And he is... This is our... Our inside scoop stuff. He's supposed to be, he will be joining um, Sylvester McCoy and Daphne Ashbrook 
at Icon 31 in March 2012 and here in Stony Brook, Long Island. So there is a third Doctor Who guest. Well, technically Sarah's doing the voice thing, so that could be four if you really want to. Jeremy Bullock, too, uh, also on the list now, who is Tor and Hal the Archer. So it's actually kind of filling up on Doctor Who stuff, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, that must be spectacular for you, Ken, because Star Wars fan and Doctor Who fan, and there's Jeremy Bullock, who's been both. And he's and he's the nicest guy, too. I've met him a few times, and, and um, I always enjoy hearing his stories. But, yeah, you have a William Hartnell story that he was in, which is really close to my heart, and a Pertwee story, a great one at that. Elizabeth Sladen's first episode, on top of it, and he's Boba Fett, the greatest 12-inch action figure ever made. Mm. Yeah, and those early Doctor Who stories are, unfortunately, um, you know, with cast members that are no longer with us. So he's sort of like the, you know, the remaining living article. <laughs> well, he's still a young guy. You know, you look at the Hartnell episode, and he's just a kid, but a youth. So that's fantastic. Uh, it's um, it's shaping up to being one hell of a convention. And speaking of conventions, you know, you still have Gallifrey around the corner too, which is is going to be. Um, it always is amazing, and it continues to be. I, I was telling a friend of mine recently about who's making their first trip to Gallifrey this year about how the guest list is about eighteen million guests long, and there'll probably still be surprise guests on top of it. Yeah, so it's, it's only two months away. Unbelievable. Uh, I mean, remember, you you were saying last year how uh, you know people were buying the tickets for for this coming year, and it seemed well, this that's so so far into the future. No, and, no way. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm a I'm I'm a total believer in buying the next year's Gallifrey ticket at the present year's Gallifrey because. Uh, First, you're just for your own benefit, you're saving a couple of bucks, but you're also giving Sean uh, a budget to start with the day after the Gallifrey ends. And he goes out, and this year, I mean, he had Paul McGann announced what, like a month after Gallifrey, and it was 11 months to promote. It's only, it's, it's a, it's in the best interest of the convention. I'm hoping Icon will do the same. There was a year. Lewis probably remember there's a year that we went to see John Pertwee at Icon and they announced Colin Baker would be there the following year that year and that was like you were like oh yeah great Colin Baker's gonna be here next year and it was literally chalking the days off for an entire year and it's the same thing with Gallifrey it's like the, the day after Gallifrey Sean's already hustling to get guests for the following year and I'm that coupled with just being a cheap son of a gun it's like that's a win-win for me. No wrong making savings, lad. And with the way Gallifrey's been going the last couple of years, where every year it gets more and more popular, uh, you know, if you're if you're at this year's galley, the the reason to buy it is just that you don't want to be left out. You're like, get me my ticket now, so I know I'm in. Uh, it will end up they're going to have to get a bigger hotel. Well, they've already expanded. They uh, they used to have just like half the ballroom. Well, when I say half, they, 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 let me rephrase that. Half the floor 
of the of the you know the lower level of the hotel and now they've uh, you know where they would uh, take several ballrooms and then there was like another event that was taking place in another set of ballrooms and now it's all Gallifrey one so they they're growing each year fabulous and and one of the things is that even if uh, heavens forbid uh, with all this talk of a movie and so on that maybe it may be Sometime after the 50th anniversary, Doctor Who takes a rest on, on you know, main TV. There's such now a wealth we've been going. I can't. Can you guys believe it? It's been 2000, 2005. I mean, it's gone in a blink of an eye to me. Uh, but there's that wealth of, uh, you know, six series that we're talking about, and these specials and Christmas specials and. It, even things like time crash and little bits and pieces like that, the, you know, the, the generators cranked, you know, for the next ten years. I would have thought. Uh, and you just slightly poked my memory there, Dave. Yeah, he poked mine too. <laughs> yeah, Moffat has come back yes. against the uh, basically what was said uh, since our last episode where we had a panel discussion yeah. on the movie. Go ahead. Literally on that day when it got released, uh, Moffat came out and said something. Well, I talk all sorts of rubbish when I'm cornered on the red carpet. Uh, sort of really quote the man. Um, the fact is, he says, if there's going to be a, a film, it's going to be done by whoever's the current team uh, at the BBC for Doctor Who with whoever the current Doctor is. Which uh, has been my opinion director, all along. Yeah, the director slot's always open. Directors change. Directors come and go. Uh, a bit like the writers, but otherwise the production of the uh, the production team, the proper production team, and the uh, the actual doctor itself usually stays the same. Well, I know there was some clever person on the panel. His name escapes it in the moment. Somebody Footman, and he was saying really <laughs> he, he would like he would like the film to you know feature the current doctor and be in the same universe. I mean, I know that's not necessarily the only option. It are maybe not everybody's preferred way forward but i think it's mine well i like i said that's how i've been always cornering it as well that if they do a film it should be the current doctor whoever that may be obviously right now it's matt smith and it should somehow work into the current storyline or you know or, or be, you know could be a separate thing onto itself but not not a reboot or a revamp or something like that well they've done it you see i mean the point is that one of the great things uh, i mean I didn't particularly like the fact that we didn't get a full season and we had the specials, although they were obviously big production things. But the point is, one of the things that they often do with Doctor Who, you know, he'll wave goodbye to his companions so that there is no l hard link in to a story so that basically you can have a special, it can stand alone because you've not got a pre-existing uh, companion with him and then it has to continue on with that companion afterwards. Uh, and I think that's obviously a, a lot of the reasons they go for that style where, uh, you know, the Doctor bids farewell and he goes off. And then this adventure can stand on its own. Uh, it may be bounded by the Doctor having gone off for so many times. I mean, you only have to think of the, the, the story, the... Um, end of time or whatever when you know the, the doctor lands on the Ood planet and uh, you know he's gone off for a year doing things you know what I mean um, uh, and that is uh, exactly the way they could feed into a film 
where um, they take the Doctor, but not necessarily uh, the companion that was in the most recent episode with him. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the only time they kind of lead into... I mean, sometimes they'll do that in a television story where, you know, you'll have uh, Churchill appear at the end and that was a lead into the next story or you have the Titanic crashing into the into the TARDIS, but otherwise, uh, well, you know, for the most part, they're self-contained. Yeah, sounds like the original Series 6, doesn't it? <laughs> mm. well, you know, at the end of the Dominators, the, the volcano erupts, and that carries over into the next episode. Well, back then, that, that was really, a lot of it, you know, were branching into the next, you know, set of episodes. That was yeah. kind of common. There, um, I listened to the the speculation episode, the the last Podshock, and I I think it's wishful it's wishful thinking for anybody to think that it's um, that there'll ever be a Paul McGann Time War movie. I mean, that's just yeah. left to fan fiction. And and there's a most people would think that oh, we'd like to see the current Doctor, and that that's probably the strongest possibility outside of the one that that keeps getting repeated which is it's going to be a fresh start and it's going to be a whole new you know it's, it's going to be a reimagining uh re-envisioning of, of the series but if you look carefully and i know moffitt's comment and far be it for me to argue with Stephen moffitt ever um but you can clearly see there are two factions here Moffat's talking strictly about the current team and it's not happening and blah, blah, blah. And no one seems to tell Jane Trantor or... Um, David Yates. Or, or, uh, yeah, or Yates. You know, they, they're just going on and on. Like, well, you know, who's stopping us? And it comes from an entirely different en entity. So, I don't know. I diff There's this news that's coming out and quite honestly, I'm of the camp that until someone tells me that tomorrow is day one of shooting i'm kind of like please let me you know we've heard this with with doctor who versus scratch man and the 47 different attempted revisions in the 90s and the wilderness years and at the end of the story we wound up getting a fox tv movie which was far away from a big screen uh production and that had fox and universal and BBC all in its camp. So, yeah, I'm, I'm taking it with a with a big grain of salt, but it, there there is something to be said for the fact that Moffat feels the need to really, really defend this whole. The only way it would happen if it's is if it's us. And then the other side of the coin is the film, the supposed film side, who just aren't getting the message. <laughs> They keep going on and on. So, it's just there is the one bit that I did forget uh, during our second life meetup where we had the discussion is the fact that no matter what, and no matter what BBC Worldwide decides to do, it's still got to get past Steve Moffat for the one. And this is the one bit where people go, Oh, yeah, 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 he's be and all and end all. He is actually. Uh, there is a department within the BBC that looks at uh, basically uh, Doctor Who spin-offs. So this is Big Finish. It's where Big Finish to get their licenses from. Uh, all books with the Doctor Who title, and it's got to be okay by them before it goes any further. So it still have to go in front of Moffat before it get the okay. 
So it was just sort of the, the one little fact that I'd forgot because uh, it used to be at one time it was Gary Russell that did all the okay, okay before he got um, taken up with doing the production for Sarah Jane Ventures. And there's a guy that sits there and has to okay all the stuff, whether it be um, a advent calendar for Doctor Who or whether it be a pencil sharpener or it's the, the, the latest um, release from um, the classic Doctor Who restoration teams. So, in a way, it's still got to go past Boffitt. Mm. Well, on, on some Doctor Who-related news is that, speaking of those, speaking of Doctor Who caretakers, like Stephen Moffat, I uh, just learned recently in the news that Russell T. Davies uh, has a, a partner who was, um, unfortunately, had um, been diagnosed with, if I'm not mistaken, is a brain cancer if i'm not mistaken i think so yeah yeah so uh our thoughts will go out to uh he to him and his partner i'm sure that's i know he had according to what i had read was that he had stopped whatever you know he was doing as far as work goes to um you know to take care of that situation yeah um, yeah he's put all his work yeah. on hold to be with his partner yeah. Well, if if you are mentioning sad news, not Doctor Who related though, but uh, don't know whether you guys have read that uh, one of the stars of Mash, as uh, yeah. Harry Morgan, mm -hmm. just died, age ninety six. Would you believe? Yeah, it's uh, he played uh, Colonel Sherman Potter, is it? Mm -hmm. He was also uh, in Dragnet. I was just watching an old Dragnet. Coincidentally, like um, during this week or a few days before he had passed away, and I was thinking to myself, I, you know, I, I said to myself, I wonder if he, you know if he had passed. I didn't hear any news about him passing, and I just assumed maybe I just missed the news. And <laughs> then it's just weird that a few days later, news broke. Mm. Christmas always seems to be a bad time for hearing um, uh, about uh, famous people and and deaths i don't know why they always seem to cluster around this time of the year hopefully not this year hopefully not well it's you know it's been a i mean every year we have losses in the doctor who community but this year it seems to be you know we we, we lost some, some mega ones you know and you know as far as um iconic i should just say you know because everyone is a mega person i mean i shouldn't you know yeah. but these are you know when uh, you lose the brigadier and sarah jane smith and you know these are iconic characters you know of course i'm talking about the actors not the characters but we have some late breaking news that occurred after this episode was recorded while in post-production good news to Missing episodes, two previously missing episodes, I should say, of Doctor Who have been recovered. Yes, two lost episodes, and they date back to the early 1960s with episode three of the William Hartnell story, Galaxy 4, and episode two of the Pat Troughton story, The Underwater Menace. They were recovered by one Terry Burnett, who, uh, who had purchased them in the early 1980s and was not aware that he had them, you know, in a film canister as it was so um what a wonderful surprise a wonderful uh gift for all doctor who fans they had a screening of the two episodes during a british film institute annuals missing believed wiped event at the national film theater in london so this occurs after many long years of no new episodes being found finally this gives us some hope that yes 
maybe there'll be more new episodes, you know, more lost episodes recovered. The recovered Underwater Menace episode originates from Australia's ABC channel, which had been censored for broadcast because ABC had a tendency of chopping up and censoring Doctor Who, of all things, yes. <laughs> felt, uh, especially, the, you know, the parts that they felt were violent or, um, you know, that, that were, might be sensitive to young children, they had edited out. So those missing bits will be restored via scans that were made at the National Archives in Australia. So, um, you know, we'll get the complete episode on DVD. So do you know any film collectors out there? Maybe they have a, you know... A rusty old film canister up in their attic collecting dust and not knowing what treasures they may have inside. Maybe there's a Lost Doctor Who episode in there. So if you know anyone that, uh, you know, could fit that bill, maybe um, contact him or her and <laughs> do some inquiring. You know, uh, we're, you know it, it just we we're beginning to lose hope that we would ever see any more of these recovered missing episodes since the last time this had happened, I believe, was in... 2004 so it's it's been a while expect more information about a dvd release from to entertain coming sometime in 2012 for more information on this and also a video report on the screening of the two episodes go to podshock.net we have that on the front page currently as mark gaddis said at the screening christmas has come early for doctor who fans everywhere and i couldn't agree more All right, any other news that um before we go on? I guess not. Nope. Nope. Right, we'll be back with more Doctor Who Pacha. This is Peter Davison, and you're listening to the Doctor Who Podshock. would like to thank and welcome a new sponsor to Doctor Who Podshock, Hover. Hover makes domain names simple. What's a domain name, you may ask? Well, Podshock.net is an example of a domain name. Why would you need or want a domain name? Well, many of you have blogs out there, some of you have podcasts out there, and you really want to have those identified and easily accessible via the web with a domain name. So let's say, well, let's say you're using Tumblr as a blog site. You can easily attach a domain name to Tumblr. So your website will be, well, whatever it is, um, tardistogo.com. I don't know. I just made that up. I don't know if it's even available. And the same thing goes with if you have a podcast on Doctor Who. I know it seems like <laughs> it seems like every time I turn around, uh, it's another Doctor Who podcast out there. So you definitely want to have a domain name to go to, with that either blog or podcast or even if it's just simply your email address you know you want to have you don't want to have a you know an aol.com domain name on your email address no you want to have your own space on the net so domain names make that possible and if you go to hover.com slash you'll get 10 percent off your domain registration hover makes registering domain names simple it's clean it's easy there's no tricks there's no upselling it's no-nonsense domain registration. 
fast, easy, friendly, and secure. Hover has been around for a while. It's part of Two Cows, a company that's been around since 1994, which is one of the largest domain name registrars in the world. So you know they know what they're doing. They have a great help section filled with tutorials, videos, answers to common questions. So if you're new to domain name registration, Hover has it covered. You can also easily transfer your existing domains, if you have any, to Hover.com. That's something that I'm going to be doing with our shows. So once again, go to Hover.com slash Podchock, and you, Doctor Who Podchock listeners, will get 10% off your domain registrations. That's H-O-V-E-R dot com slash Podchock. You can't beat a great price with great service. Once again, Hover.com slash Podchock. And we would like to thank Hover once again for sponsoring this episode of Doctor Who Podchock. And we're back with Doctor Who Podchock. <laughs> we nearly weren't. <laughs> well, it's this time of the year again. It's the holiday season, as much as it doesn't feel like it, as I said earlier in the show. But we're talking about the upcoming Christmas special, which is... Uh, what is it? It's Doctor Who. The, was it the 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 widow? The, no, the Doctor, the widow, the widow, and, and the, wardrobe. the wardrobe. Yeah. Which they held the title for quite some time. I'm, I'm assuming it wasn't to do with anything giving you know to, having to do with secrecy or giving anything away. I think it was just me. I'm, I'm guessing here, speculating that maybe they just hadn't settled on a title. I don't know. Just I guessing. think the word wardrobe was the giveaway one. Oh, is it? <laughs> yeah, they tried not to give it away too quickly. Because I think in the UK, certainly, that that would make uh, an immediate association. Most definitely. Sort of get the idea. But um, there, there's a, a clip out there, a short clip, which it's been uh, not so much as the teaser trailer, but there is a short clip out there. And... Oh, is it Christmas already? <laughs> well, as you said, Matt Smith had some comments about it. It's uh, it's only about a minute long on our website. There's a video of him talking about it. You know, I, I think he compares it to uh, the the style. It's, if I remember correctly, he I think he makes a comparison to Tim Burton. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, that's true. And it's just always the usual thing. This is the most Christmas. This even last year's was Christmassy, but this one's is even more Christmassy. And I mean, yeah, there is the sort of thing where if you look at look at the past ones have gone out, they've they've had it's been Christmas, but uh, not quite. You know, it's based around Christmas, you know, Christmas invasion, flying Christmas trees, um, the runaway brides. There was the robots with the with the with the uh, voyage of the dam. Later, then you had the voyage of the Dan, which was the only really big Christmassy about thing about that one was there was a Christmas tree in the background and a little <laughs> bit of snow lying on the ground. And it, uh, it seems that Stephen Moffat really wanted to bring it to you know bring it bring Christmas you know the the whole make it a real Christmas special so to speak. Yeah, I would have to fit the feeling that that well, um, RTD was sort of the one that. Every season finale had to be bigger than the last, and maybe Stephen Moffat's thing is that every Christmas special has to be more Christmassy than the last one. I, I believe so. <laughs> it seems I that like way. It. 
But I mean, from the bits and bobs I've seen, uh, set photos and, and such forth, uh, yeah, I'm really, really up for this one uh, so far. And uh, basically, the people that are with uh, within it, you've got, uh, as we mentioned, Black Books was mentioned by Dave um, uh, earlier. And from there, you've got Bill Bailey, uh, who's a guy who's very good with the deadpan sense of humor. Uh, Arabella Weir, who is known as a comic in her own right, uh, but mostly for uh, something called The Fast Show. Uh, which is the character who asks if her derriere looks big in a certain item of clothing. Um, Claire Skinner, though I don't... I've been out of the UK for quite a while, so I'm not sure what Claire Skinner might be known for. But you have Alexander Armstrong, who um, is usually paired up with a guy called Ben Miller, uh, known for Armstrong and Miller. Uh, They have this sort of sketch thing where uh, they have... World War II fighter pilots, and they talk like uh, basically current days youth in the streets, uh, where they have the sort of this is the only way I was actually aware of that this is what the youth are supposed to, how the youth are supposed to be talking these days on the streets. So um, it's quite funny. So he's he's playing uh, the husband uh, of the widow, um, and there are one or two other sort of uh, faces, but I can't remember names too. Just going back to Claire Skinner, yeah, yeah she's uh, most known for BBC's Outnumbered, uh, which is on, and of course she's been in some great films: The Rachel Papers, uh, Sleepy Hollow, Bridget Jones' Diary. So we're we're talking uh, a high class of uh, actors and actresses here. Oh, we've got to have them. It's the Christmas special. Heck, we had Michael Gambon last year. Mm. Well, it seems that um, before 2005, <laughs> your choices uh, for Christmas holiday glee, Doctor Who related, was limited to, uh, you know, a, a William Hartnell story and, uh, um, you know, some outtakes with, um, you know, K9 and wishing everyone a Merry Christmas and <laughs> stuff like that. K9 and company. Yeah. yeah. K9 and company. I do play that. I try to play that at least once a year. That is I still love that. <laughs> well, there's also another outtake with Tom Baker and uh, with K9. Wasn't, wasn't part of an episode proper, but, you know. Yeah, you know. Mary Tam, I think it was. Yeah, Mary Tam. Yeah. So, but and now since then, we've had essentially – Christmas specials with um, every doctor since uh, and every year. I mean, if you count The Unquiet Dead, which um, was um, written by Mark Gatiss with Christopher Eccleston, that, that was really like the first, even though it wasn't a Christmas special, mm. but it was really the first unofficial Christmas special. Yeah. There was snow, in the cr- snow on the ground and Charles Dickens. I mean, usually that's a big association with Christmas. Because uh, that's what the program's actually been announced for this Christmas as well, alongside Doctor Who. Um, great expectations for your X Files fans. It's got G- Gillian Anderson in it, so yeah, you could you could call it, I suppose, a Christmas special. So you can gather the family around and, and during you know either Christmas Eve or Christmas Day, and you have a you have what, about six hours worth of uh, well. Uh, yeah, I guess about six hours worth of uh, Doctor Who goodness to uh, to play if you want to keep it Doctor, if you want to keep it Christmas themed. Yeah. Now, talking about that, this uh, this Christmas special is a sixty minute episode, isn't it? I mean, 
we have had ones that have run uh, longer than that, of course. Uh, uh, I mean, the end of Pong time, parts one uh, and two, the second part ran uh, nearly 75 minutes, so... Lewis, tell him off, he swore. Oh. <laughs> That's why right. you can't mention the, the, that uh, story end with Graham. Yeah. Was on the he swore again. <laughs> of the, 20, the 25th of December, 2009. He swore again. <laughs> Look, be careful, I'll mention commentary. So there. What's with Coventry? Commentary. <laughs> oh, I thought you meant Coventry. That's where Delia Derbyshire came from. Anyway, sidetracking. <laughs> yes, so, so the point being was that it is exactly 60 minutes long. I assume that in the States that would, what, take a 90-minute time slot up? Yeah, probably with the ads, with commercials, yes. Yeah. I, I'm also guessing that since um, he announced he was leaving, Piers Wagner is a producer here, so I'm assuming this is probably his last you know, his last stint as producer, as executive producer in Doctor Who, I'm guessing. Yep, I would think so. All right, well, it's, um, I, I guess, I, I don't know if you have anything more to say about past Christmas specials or this upcoming one. You know, obviously we can't really speak too much about the upcoming one since, you know, we haven't seen it yet. Well, there's certainly been a mixed bag, haven't they? I mean, uh, just uh, related to what Graham uh, said to me just then, I mean, uh, we've probably all got favourites. Um, I mean, uh, certain ones I've I've been critical of in the past, uh, but even so, having said that, many of them still have 30, 40 minutes of absolutely great entertainment. They have some beautiful, wonderful scenes in... Uh, the one I was just accused of mentioning a moment ago has some beautiful scenes of the 10th Doctor and Will together that um, whatever you think of the episode as a whole, just a standout um, cameo parts to Doctor Who. They're just so brilliant. I mean, uh, I've said this before, often there are stories that just get elevated simply because of a, a certain segment within them. I mean, Gridlock, I quite like the story, but I really like it a, a great deal simply because of the the, the short part where uh, the Doctor is describing to Martha uh, Gallifrey. And to me, just that scene alone transcends that from a, a good episode up to, you know, one of my favourite episodes. And I think uh, all of the Christmas specials uh, have had that greater expanse. Um, in fact, the only other time we've seen the sort of expanse that's in the Christmas specials, uh, if you think about it, is the impossible astronaut, or as you like to call it, Lewis, the impossible planet. <laughs> mm -hmm. But Dave's uh, right about some beautiful scenes, because uh, as much as... The Cyber King gets basically drummed upon. Uh, I really do love the Next Doctor. The Next Doctor was a good. Mm -hmm. That yeah. was probably about the Christmassy. The Christmassy is. That's not even a word. I know. <laughs> Don't worry. Uh, we make up words here all along, all the time. <laughs> <laughs> um, but as far as it goes, uh, as far as Christmas episodes go for David Tennant's Doctor, that was probably the the one that was the uppermost. Uh, the stir in the streets, uh, the sort of Dickensian feel about it. Um, the uh, the uh, you know the man with the sort of loss of memory and 
And okay, it gets more than a little silly. Okay, the um, what, what's the, the cyber dogs, uh, <laughs> oh, shades. Oh, the cyber shades, yeah. even the cyber shades, I can appreciate. Uh, this the cyber king's probably a little bit okay. It yeah. was clockwork and blah blah blah. Uh, no, it is Dickensian times, but all the same, and it ran on steam as well. <laughs> if anybody noticed, um. But then you've got uh, is it Miss Havisham? I can't remember. Well, I I thought it was a wonderful uh, episode. It's a, I really enjoy it. I mean, they're just parts that it, you know that that we just mentioned that that I wish weren't in there, and and I I still don't really get how you know they were defeated. But and and again, we have the cyberheads exploding and all that, which I don't know. But you know, if if you overlook some of the you know th those little things that that gnaw at me. I, it's I guess it's one of my favorite Christmas specials. Yeah. Yeah. I could explain to you how that happens, but we're we'll here for hours. <laughs> <laughs> About how the cyberheads explode, or uh, or how he, how everything. they defeated it, yeah. or was it yeah. was it magic again or something? Basically, the timestamp was reversed and used back at. Basically, I can't remember what my name was. Hey, that I think it was Miss Havisham, but I'm sure it's not. But anyway, the lady, the big bright yeah. red dress, to make mm -hmm. it simple, and she was basically being clonked in as cyber controller stroke cyber king, and as Miss Hartigan. As Hartigan knew it's something with a H. It was close. Brain never gives never gives me the information I want. Anywho, um, basically hits her. Big electrical feedback. Electrical feedback causes explosion. Explodey heads and Cyber King falls over. The only big this bit that still puzzles me is how the heck that thing disappeared in time. Spoiler warning. Spoiler? Didn't look like it's got a spoiler. There was big, big, big exhaust pipes on the thing, but I didn't see any spoilers. <laughs> but that was basically, it, it exploded from uh, having an overload of information from a... Uh, defective timestamp the doctor was using. Yeah, and the only other thing I'd say about special, uh, well, the Christmas specials is that the the anticipation, the hype can get so much that it, it, it it's almost impossible, possibly, for any of these uh, Christmas specials to live up to the hype, especially for perhaps younger viewers. And by younger viewers, I'm talking about you know uh, under forty eight. Just in case there's anybody in the room around that age. Uh, um, yes. Uh, so, uh, yeah, for younger viewers like that, still impressionable and so on, then uh, they get so excited uh, at the Christmas specials and it's very difficult for it to actually uh, transcend, uh, well, achieve, achieve that level and even go beyond it. So. Well, I, I, I think know. when it comes to the Christmas specials, and I, and I think this is something that, that Ken had spoken about in the past, is that I think we, uh, well, you know, what we try to do is kind of judge it on a different scale than a regular Doctor Who episode, because we know it's a holiday special, you know, it, it's it's something that it's just meant to to, uh, to be, you know, sort of a, a, a light fare for the holidays. It's, it's you know, obviously um, some episodes are darker and heavier than others, mm. you know, that we've seen but I, I don't know if we could kind of judge the christmas specials on the same scale as we judge the rest of the series you know right same should, criteria should, yeah should be good it should be like i don't know i can only relate it to food it should be like a good pavlova sweet light and fluffy enough and all you want is more mm. <laughs> described it 
Oh, and yes, Dave, I am excited because I am under under that forty eight by quite a margin. <laughs> <laughs> and uh so am i but less of a margin <laughs> now that you know we kind of reviewed some of the specials and spoke about the upcoming christmas specials the, it's the holiday season and as we record this people are busily shopping and getting gifts and all that and for doctor who fans it's no exception and um if you got doctor who fans on your you know on your wish list or christmas list or holiday list whatever there are many different options out there and as always there's the at this time of the year last month i think it was the end of last month around actually around um it was right before the anniversary of doctor who there was the new series that was released on dvd and blu-ray so um that's always a good option if you're looking for i i, I think any that's sort of a, an obvious thing um, less obvious is um, they. I don't know if they're still doing it, but I know in the past years they used to have Doctor Who calendars. You couldn't really buy them in the U.S. You would have to ship, you know, have them. Um, well, you could at a specialty store, but you know, not in a regular calendar store. Uh, but yeah. that's that's um, one of those unique items. That go ahead. I'm sorry, Graham. Yeah, the, the calendar is available on the uh, the BBC shop, uh, the official BBC shop. If you're Ooh, I like a little shop. <laughs> So yes, local shop for local people. Oh, sorry, wrong show. And the figures, the collectible figures are, they, they always seem, to, each time they release new figures, they seem to be a little bit more intricate and, um, you know, they, they seem to be getting better and better with each, you know. Yeah, I, I'm afraid that's where I start. Okay. <laughs> oh, well, maybe, maybe they haven't. Go ahead. I, I, haven't uh, even... I would guess, okay, the, the, the detailing and all that, can't, can't fault you on that. I'm afraid I'm at, this is the point where I have to go on a slight rant and I'll keep it at a level. Um, the fact is that um, myself, like many other fans um, that I have spoken to, uh, whether it be through Twitter, Facebook, Google+, Plus, uh, on a Skype call, it's the fact that um, with the figures, please character options please stop rehashing the same figures we have them already the fact that just as the series is coming to an end from closing time you have the two cybermen with the damage on them fine great no problems great figures but re-releasing them a month and a half later with bits of plastic that's supposed to be lightning i am not impressed Mm. Much the same with the um, the silence figure now comes with plastic lightning, and all it is is a bit of plastic you put on their hands. You basically clip onto the hands of the figures. Look, get out there, do some more original uh, figures. There are plenty of uh, options for this year. Where's our Rory figure? I know there's a lot of fangirls out there that want a Rory figure. I'd like a Rory figure. I think he's been absolutely fantastic this series. Rory in his Roman get-up. Just like you see um, at the um, at the good man when a good man goes to war, that figure, Rory the Roman, perfect. Right, there's a new figure for you. Why do you have to keep rehashing figures that you basically? Well, okay, it's only I suppose it's only just like re-altering some mold molds or uh, adding bits of plastic, which will probably cost them what I don't know, two or three pence. Bit for, for, uh, per bit, bit, bit of plastic but it's the fact they've been rehashing it it's like the original sets like the doctors from the doctor's wife the idris figure uh, i held back luckily from the idris figure because i wanted it to complete my tardis uh, i know it's a bit sad but hey ho 
It's just the fact the original figure came out, and then another set came out later on with the cubes, with the psycho, uh, the psychic um, message containers, mm -hmm. plus a mask to turn Idris into a ganger Idris, though the mask doesn't fit, and a pack of uh, ganger. Basically, it's that gunk. It's supposed to be the gunky stuff that's in the uh, the bathtub, as I, I like to call it, from from the episode from Norm's people. And this is seems to be the way they're going ahead. Instead of just leaving it, and instead of instead of, sort of bringing out, you know, instead of leaving it as it is, and and advertising properly, uh, they bring out a new variant of the same figure. It goes for the same thing with their uh, what they call the plush or the, the stuffed Daleks. They've had a red one. They brought out a blue one. Oh, now we're bored. Let's bring out a yellow one, which means we've only got to change the, the colouring of the material. And it's literally, you can see them get the little, uh, well, in this case, pound signs behind their eyeballs or in their eyes. And uh, it's a bit where I have to say, no, this should stop. Either you should do some original, more original figuring, uh, figures that people actually want, or just stop at the point where you go, there's a figure, it's out, and basically not try and figure out a way to make a slight variation of a figure that's already out there uh, to go and sell more of them. Uh, because like Star Wars fans, they know the diehard fans are going to rebuy them again. <laughs> well, you can count, out, you can count on this, uh, this fan of not uh, rebuying any figures there. Once I've bought the one version, I'm not going to go and buy the other one. And I basically... <sighs> This is only my point of view. I can only say from my point of view, but I can only advise parents uh, and other collectors as well to do the same. You see a figure come out, give it a couple of months, they might bring out a new version with little extras on it. Go for that version instead, instead of buying the new, uh, the, uh, the figure when it comes out in the first place. Um, it's ridiculous. Um, as much as ridiculous as um, the exclusives they have with a certain uh, UK-based... Uh, science fiction uh, memorabilia store uh, that they make those sets only available there. Oh, it's fair enough if you're in the United States because there is that chain also there that you can get through the United States that way. But the rest of us in Europe, oh, cheers, we're stuck. And end up, if we want these things to end up, if you've got relations to the UK, fine. Uh, but it's more the case of uh, looking on eBay or on an eBay and then getting ripped off for it. So in the end, this supplier, this chain, has basically stunned themselves in the foot. So all I'm asking is that they basically think what they're doing and bring it out, not just for, for a small section, but for all. Uh, there is a bit more than just this, this small cross-section uh, of people, like I say. Uh, very disappointed that a lot of figures are, not, are just basically getting rehashed. A Canton figure. I'd have a Canton figure. Yeah, I'd buy one of those. Time up. Right <laughs> I was, was going to say, I'm sorry yeah. I brought it up now. <laughs> yeah. Any other um, holiday gift ideas for for, uh, for Doctor Who fans? Well, recommendation. There's the books out there. There's lots of books that have been released. Um, this would be a slight, good, uh, slightly good segue to go and talk about Audible because Audible uh, not only been the premier place to get all your books and, and such forth from, but uh, they have a lot of Doctor Who audio there, and uh, 
especially for somebody like me who loves the black and white era, but there is lots of the black and white era missing. And there are lots of the uh, soundtracks, as they're called. This is basically the entire um, story as originally transmitted in audio format, where the bits where you can't see are basically joined with some narration, whether it be from uh, Fraser Hines uh, or from uh, sometimes Wendy Padbury. There's one there with, uh, oh, Polly. Oh, I was just watching that a minute. Annika Wills and such forth. And definitely, I can make that would be my personal recommendation. Yeah, so just to, to plug the URL, you can go to audibletrial.com slash pachock and check out the selection there. You, you, later in the show, I'll, we'll do more about Audible, but right now, um, <laughs> if you can't wait, go to audibletrial.com slash pachock. Dave? Uh, well, the other thing I can mention, uh, and it's a bit of a plug, I'm sorry, Lewis, is that... Um, uh, whenever this, uh, oh, yeah, you're podcast. doing a cultum on, yeah, on the 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 twelfth of December, we will have done. I will be still doing. Um, we're doing uh, uh, collective collectibles because the the show is the cultum collective. So we're basically giving people the opportunity to come on and uh, ask other members, you know, what they recommend, and for other members to uh, say what they bought in the past and values. Uh, this came about from one of our requests and our Facebook page. Um, uh, somebody, uh, for instance, somebody was interested in getting one of the uh, the fob watches, but they didn't want the um, you know the the childlike uh, plastic toy. Mm -hmm. Because if you remember, there were two versions that came out. There was one that was uh, a much more handcrafted and uh, you know a, a more adult replica, really, rather than a toy. So hopefully that will uh, have received. Um, a good input on the show and of course can be downloaded from itunes probably by the time you're listening to this now yeah because I, I think you're probably recording on sunday so this episode may not get out until um until after the live show so if you don't catch it live on talk show, you can catch it uh, via itunes that's the cultum collective all right well as graham had pointed out earlier one great holiday gift idea for Doctor Who fans, or actually any fan, any, any fan, anyone that enjoys listening to audio, be that podcasts or audio books, well, there's Audible. Audible is the premier provider of digital audiobooks. They have over 85,000 titles to choose from, and that covers every genre, be it thrillers, romance, business, comedy, fantasy, and of course, science fiction, and so much more. Audible titles play on your iPhone, your Kindle, Android, over 500 devices for listening anytime and anywhere. For you, listeners of Doctor Who Podshock, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 14-day trial, so you have a chance to check out their service. Now, to get your free audiobook, simply go to audibletrial.com slash podshock. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash podshock for your free audiobook. What we always like to do is make a referral or a recommendation, and this time we're going back to Tom, the Tom Baker series. If you don't know Tom Baker, the Fourth Doctor has been doing some Audible, um, some audiobooks that's available on Audible, and the most recent series is The Serpent Crest, which is by Paul Mars, and it's um, in the cast. There's Tom Baker and Susan Jameson, among many others. This is part two of The Serpent Crest, called The Broken Crown. 
The year is 1861, and the doctor and Mrs. Whimsey find themselves in the right place at the wrong time. At the rectory, they encounter the ill-tempered Reverend Dobbs and his young ward, Andrew, whose paper face hide whatever horrors lie beneath. Tutoring him is one Mr. Brulee, whom Mrs. Wimsley is startled to recognize. Let's hear a little bit from that now. Imagine living in a house with nowhere to hide, where the people who were supposed to look after you just made your life a misery and didn't leave you in peace for a moment. Imagine if the folk you were trying to get away from always came looking for you. If you imagine those things, you imagine me. There you are, skulking away in the library. You shouldn't be in here unsupervised. There are things in this library you aren't supposed to see. I know. Your guardian makes these rules in order to protect you, Andrew. The rector knows best. I know that. What's this you're reading? It's nothing. It's just... The Arabian Nights. But I... You know, child, that this is one of the banned books in this house. I don't see why. It's harmless. Books as colourful as this will overstimulate your imagination. That is not good for you. Let me have it back, please. Certainly not. You'll come with me. Your guardian is waiting for you. He must hear of this. I watched the wicked old woman climb the library steps to put my book back on the topmost shelf, too high for me to ever reach again. Part of me longed to push her off those steps while she stretched and to send her spinning to the floor. Perhaps I could break the old monster's crooked back. But instead, I merely stood there, feeling lost and hopeless, my mind still spinning with the glorious, magical tales of the Arabian Nights. She was right about one thing, my nursemaid. Tales of this sort, fairy tales and fables, did something to my imagination. They lifted me out of that dark and dreary world in which I found myself living. They made me forget I was a powerless orphan of 13, trapped in the rectory in a village called Hexford, deep in the English countryside. I was at the mercy of these terrible creatures, the rector and the nursemaid, who watched my every move. And not even my imagination was free. Come away from that window, Master Andrew. Why? Because people don't want to see your face looking out at them. No one can see me. There's hardly anyone around. Just two strangers wandering the village. They didn't even notice me watching them. Nevertheless, your guardian won't want to hear about you pressing yourself against the windows, looking like a prisoner. He doesn't like me to do anything. What was that, young man? The rector. He'd be happier if he could just shove me away in a broom cupboard and never hear from me again. What nonsense. Now come and finish your schoolwork for Mr. Bewley. Please, can I go out? Sally and Jake said they'd wait for me. You're going nowhere. Looks to me as if a storm's brewing. But they'll be waiting for me. Those two should be in the... Once again, this could be your free selection or anything that Audible has to offer. I do recommend that you check out their website. They do have so much to offer, especially in Doctor Who titles. To download your free audiobook, simply go to audibletrial.com slash podshock. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash podshock for your free audiobook. Well, we have a, a couple interviews lined up, one of which is uh, Ken had 
sat down with Fraser Hines not too long ago. So, Kent, do you want to introduce this interview? I sat down with Fraser Hines not too long ago. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And he is now joining us at Icon 31 at SUNY Stony Brook here in New York on March 30th, 31st, and April 1st, 2012. He joined Sylvester McCoy and Daphne Ashbrook, amongst many other guests like Sarah Douglas and Jeremy Bullock. And, well, go to iconsf.org if you need any of the details. So this kind of is apropos, being that uh, that, that announcement just broke. So Fantastic. So part one was in Dr. Pachak 260, I believe. So if you, can, uh, if you haven't heard that yet, catch it there and... This uh, picks up where that left where that left off. So many of the stories in your era are missing, which it's is great, very sad. Yeah. I mean, we have we counted them last night. Was it about eight or nine that are that are complete? Yeah, which is a lot more than I thought. Again, I yeah. thought there was only about three complete. But and we have some that are almost complete. You know, we have those like, four out of six kind of things. That's the invasion. Yeah, and, yeah, and I mean they made an animated two-part of yeah, there, we're yeah. using the audio. And that, that's all right, yeah, but and, which of the complete ones are the, the Crotons? Yeah, the Dominators. Dominators. Mind Robber. Mind Robber. Invasion. Well, we so. say Invasion, yeah. yeah. Uh, war Games, obviously. Uh, Seeds of Death. Seeds of Death. Tomb of the Cyberland. And, and Tomb of that's a seven. Oh, are we missing any in there? Uh, no, I think that is it. Seven. Wheel of Spaces. There's yeah. five. Two out, two out of six. That always amazes me that, you know, they say episode three is missing. Well, I can understand if episode one or episode six, but how can you lose a middle episode? Mm. How does, you know... Probably from film canisters not being labeled properly. Yeah, you know, a yeah. bunch of things just yeah. taped together, and the one with the label stayed because they knew what yeah. it was, and the one wasn't, well, this can't be anything important. Throw it in the pile. But there's still big warehouses that the BBC have got. I'm sure some are still... You know, if somebody actually went. Well, I love the story you told last night. You're saying that how they can pull out the financial records oh, yeah, of the yeah. entire story right down to the last penny. But they threw away the program. But they threw away the they program. kept all the paperwork. But luckily, all the audio exists, and that's I, yeah. I, I mentioned to you last that night. That must have been on, on a separate tape, then, the audio. It must have been on a separate tape. And fans recorded it. Yeah. In the days before VCRs and all the, the modern things we have I now. Bet if they, if they, the BBC said, right, there's a competition, a Doctor Who competition, and the four winners get to go to the archives of BBC, and they've got a day to see if they can find any more Doctor Who tapes. <laughs> Rather than having guys paid at BBC, I don't go yet. If you gave four fans a competition... Tear the place apart. Up, and tear the place apart. I bet they would, I mean, put everything back in one piece, but I'm sure they would find some un, um, unseen footage. The audio exists, as I'm saying, mm. you know, thanks to the fans and, mm. and some other sources, and they've released them all. You've done a good chunk of the narration, the linking narration yeah. on, on almost Mark all Gaz, of them, with, yeah. with a few other people, uh, Wendy and, and uh, Annika being some of the others. Yeah, Annika rang me once a couple of years ago and said, Fraser, I'm doing this audio, and of course you, use, you do people's voices. How does Jamie sound? So I had to give her a count over the phone. She said, is it, um, oh, my, oh, yeah. oh, doctor, look at that monster. And, yeah, he's not 12, but <laughs> it was Annika. So, and I haven't heard, I, I'm dying to hear that, uh, that her doing Jamie's voice. Uh, oh, it was like, just mm. the novels, you mean? Yeah, it was like me when I do big Finnish stuff. If um, Wendy's not in it, I have to do Zoe's voice as well. Oh, doctor, you know, he's, he's 
to a Zoe. Huh? I don't want to do this, Doctor. Oh, yes, go ahead, Zoe. No, I don't, Doctor. <laughs> it seems like you have Patrick d- down a little bit better than Wendy. Uh, I haven't heard. I haven't heard when. Is it? No, I mean you have. <coughs> you, oh yeah, 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 yeah. You seem to have Patrick down a little bit better than you. Well, I mean, the, the voices of the, the ladies, yeah. 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 very, very similar voices. Uh, you've you started doing Patrick's voice almost as an accident, right? Yeah. I, well, I, I've been doing it over the years, obviously just for that one story. Yes, Jamie, it is a big one. You know, that story. And then when I did Helicon Prime for Big Finish, um, I just I was doing a read through, just for voice levels. Yeah. And I did Patrick's voice, and the producer went, oh, that, that sounds sound like Patrick. I said, well, I, I do him as a gag, and there's, you know, no little aside here that Jamie always says at the beginning of shows. He said, well, just, just, just let's, do, let's do that first scene, and we did the first scene. Are you happy with it? I said, yeah, I'm happy. So Helicon Prime was, I'd, I'd love to hear it when I get back home. I want to dig it out, because that was the first kind of my stab uh, at a Patrick voice. Then when I did the, the Glorious Revolution, I think it got a little bit better. Uh, I know I just love doing it because it's just, um, you know, it's, it's... Well, it's done with love, as you can hear in the voice. You know, and it's remembering the, the man. Yeah, it is, because I love the man. You know, yeah. we, we had this great uh, love affair. Um, you know, met, not love affair that way, in a biblical sense, but no, because <laughs> we loved the women. You know, we had... Uh, we always had an eye for the ladies. You know? Oh, naturally. Yeah, always. <laughs> and may, long may continue. <laughs> yeah, I've done the voices. You do a little of it last night, and... Um, like you said, it comes from the heart. There, are people, did, there are people who impersonate people, and there are people. The who hardest was the was the ice warriors, funny enough, in the uh, for BBC books. Sucking mm. like that all the time. That was worse than, than doing Patrick's voice. And that was Bernard Breslau. That, that, that was Bernard Breslau. That's right. Who, who was a comedic act because he was very very tall. He did all those Carry On films, but uh, it was his idea actually for the ice warriors to, to be that, that hissing sound because you know? yeah, he just thought if they're reptilian you know surely we're like snakes we could you know, and then of course the, the director at the time said yeah good, yeah, good idea and so every, the other actors that were doing ice warriors picked up on that they and, had to and, yeah and, that's and, the way right he set the tone for it whoever invented the Dalek voice ah 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 that's it that's the way the Dalek speaks so that's somebody must have put that very first Dalek voice on whether it's Roy Skelton or whoever mm-hmm. when the first Dalek story came on I think they would talk like well yeah that was it they were that so that was, was set so set the tone yeah. yeah fantastic do you have any wishes no, no. <laughs> oh wishes oh yeah for, for uh, if there was a, one of the missing stories that you you would really want to come the back the Highlanders definitely yeah I'd love to see the Highlanders just to see how because it's the first yeah, uh, people always say to me what was your favourite story? So it's going to be the Highlanders. Really? Because mm. if I hadn't done that, I wouldn't have. I wouldn't be here now. Yeah. I wouldn't have gone to Australia. I wouldn't have gone to Atlanta, Dragon Con, Gallifrey. You know, if I hadn't done the Highlanders, because you'd have never heard of. You know, right, you would have done before. On, on you, yeah. On so I'd love if somebody found it somewhere. The Highlanders. When you listen back to it, now you said when you record the missing stories, you're just doing the linking narration. You don't actually hear the story. Did you ever have a chance after the final product came out to, to no. sit down and listen to it? No, it's and only, would you? Uh, it, whenever they send me, after you've done it, they send you a free CD. Mm-hmm. So I always put it, if I'm going on a long car journey, because I can't do it at home because the phone rings or something yeah. like that. So I always put it in my car CD player. And you do listen to it. I gabbled that line. Wish Mark had stopped me there. <laughs> or I should have. Should have maybe I inflect because you, you're picky. You, you're, you're very critical of yourself. Yeah. And you think, well, maybe I should have 
Also, when you hear it in the context of the story, perhaps it changes mm. from when you're in the booth reading it dry to where you're actually in the story. When I did it with Mark, the books, or the, the, um, the rate of, um, we, we did in my house, rather than go to a studio. Uh, we went to a studio once at his house. He's got a lot of big studios in, in Hastings. He said, let's come up to your place. So we just sat in my lounge, uh, an armchair. I set up a mic. Yeah, microphone. Much like we're doing today. Yeah, that's right, and that's how we do it. And some days a, a lazy plane, you know, somebody would be practicing circus. And, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, much like the people working on the roof across the street today. Yeah. And if you if you hear the, the banging going on in the background. He just had a night on the tires, that's all. The biggest applause yesterday was for the mind drama. Yeah. Was that, was that surprising? Yeah, it was actually, yeah. It I mean, it's, it's always one of the most fondly remembered stories. It was so different. I thought it had been an invasion with a, you know. That's my favorite, yeah. personally. I mean, that's just beyond just being my favorite of the second Doctor, it's probably my favorite black and white story, you know, from the, the first decade of Doctor Who. And he's just, very good, Kevin Stoney is. And that's so just brilliant. Just Tobias Vaughn, very good. Yeah, and uh, and Douglas Canfield was your director, yeah, yeah. who always seemed to have a knack of making stories look bigger than uh, than they really were. Well, I should say, well, than they were really budgeted for. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he he has the the military look big and impressive. You have helicopters and you have shootouts and grenades in the sewers. Yeah, and yeah. Like he was, and it was good. Also, with Dougie, you could su- suggest something to him. Open. And he wanted to go, oh, yeah, you too, boy. You just want to gag, don't you? You go, yeah, I'll run with that. In the beginning of the invasion, when Patrick and I were walking down the street, I said, wouldn't it be funny if we just started to do a walk and we see this car? So we do a walk a bit quicker, mm. a walk a bit quicker, and then in the end, we run, and we start running. <laughs> and that was John Levine actually getting out one of those cars. Mm-hmm. As the uh, MR. As Corporal Benton, right? In that yeah. One? Right. But that wasn't his first time working with you. I mean, you, the two of you were friends. In the Web, Web of Fear. He was, a, uh, he was a Yeti. Yeah, he was a Yeti in the underground. Yeah. And he, his claw fell off one day, and then he just left his hand there. You know. And that was very hot. But in, and it, though it wasn't the underground, uh, the uh, London Transport did complain to the BBC because they thought we had filmed without their permission in an underground station. The set design was so oh. accurate, wasn't it? So, uh, so we're good. Jumping uh, back to Web of Fear, you know, which was also yeah. Nick Courtney's first appearance That's right, yeah. uh, as the Brigadier well, at the time. Colonel. We were very fortunate because uh, David Langton was supposed to play that part. Then he got a part in Upstairs and Downstairs, which mm. became a big hit series as well. So otherwise we wouldn't have got Nick, and it was lovely to get Nick Courtney. That, was that Douglas Canfield as well? That, um, what? On uh, um, Web of Fear. I think it was. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm, I uh, don't have my uh, no. my, uh, my Google with me right now. It's we're sitting here, but I'm trying to remember if, that, if he had done that one as well because that that too has that sort of yeah. sort of his stamp. You know, the, the military and the and the and the th- yeah. and and making something appear to be bigger. The the, the scale of it is the the trick of making the scale bigger. And it would have been because the web of fear didn't follow the invasion. Was no, it was a year before that. Yeah, yeah, so it probably would be. Maybe, maybe it was. If it had been the next story, I would have said no, definitely not. Can you can you look yeah. that up? Billy's gonna Billy's gonna look that up quickly, just so mm. for for uh, for certain yeah. fans who are who are screaming at their uh, uh, at their TV screens at their at their, at their uh, iPod right oh. now. But that had all his hallmarks because Nick Courtney was cast, and he, and yep. he had cast Nick Courtney uh, a couple years. I think, I think it was Douglas. Think it was. And John Levine, who he, yep. he really liked, and then, yep. and, and here you guys are, all years later, yep. making your stamp on. And John Levine now lives in England. 
Yeah, he was in L.A. for a long time. Yeah, right? he was, yeah. He moved back to New mm-hmm. England. So I, I suspect maybe we'll hear him on a big well, finish or something. I'm so, yeah, he, you know? they're probably you're bound to have a couple of commentary of or Sergeant something. Benton, I guess. Yeah. Aha. Yeah. It was Douglas yeah. Canfield. Well, right. right. So, yeah. I'm, I'm wiping my brow now. Now, one on job with me, huh? <laughs> yeah. For 200, please. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, well, that's where it ends there. Oh, can only agree. Only agree. Where's the Highlanders? <sighs> so that's part two of four, I think, right? Yes. Most of the interview. Hmm. So uh, you see, I'm this, sorry. Uh, on a separate note, while we were recording this uh, leak about the PlayStation 3, Doctor Who, the Eternity Clock video game. I forgot about that as well. Um, yeah, that's supposed to come coming fairly soon, but it's very little known, just the name, really. It's so coming to tra- the PlayStation. Apparently a trailer has leaked. Oh. Ooh. That's something new. That features the Doctor and River Song. Um, it says... That it's gamers can take on the role of the Doctor and River Song as they explore the universe of Doctor Who over multiple time periods. And it says uh, BBC leaks Doctor Who teaser for PlayStation 3 Vita or Vita. How's it pronounced? Oh, that's, that's the handheld. Um, it's it's and sort of PC. yeah. It's it's sort of like the the <laughs> PS2. I mean the PSP. It kind of replaces that. It's a handheld gaming machine that sony's um it's sort of the um oh that's the new the, the latest new yeah. okay and i have it i have the trailer here but i don't have it oh. in my um I, I don't have it in the in the soundboard so. it's just interesting that they're developing a game and it's been kind of under wraps you know this is the first i'm hearing of it well um i'm not sure if i heard of it before i i but i don't know i i'm Right now, I'm kind of skeptical with Doctor Who games. I was kind of disappointed with the, the 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 latest iOS. Well, I say the latest, but I think it came out last year. The those iOS games. Um, I know I started playing it, but I didn't really get too far with it because I just got kind of bored with them. Um, can I just mention something relating to that interview? The adventure well? games. No, the, oh. the actual interview. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> You mean actually relating to the content of this Doctor Who Podshock episode? Sure, you can no, say you can the interview with Fraser. Hyde. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, go ahead. Um, just to <laughs> say that hopefully in not too great distant time, uh, we're talking uh, Ian, the Sixth Doctor himself, uh, and Mike Randathor with uh, Paul Schoons uh, only yesterday uh, on Skype recording something, and Paul Schoons is in, obviously in New Zealand, and it was he along with uh, Richard Molesworth that found. Uh, the lion, you know, the one of the episodes mm-hmm. of the Crusade. Yeah. So Ian's hoping to do uh, and record an interview with Paul Schoons uh, shortly. Uh, well, I say shortly, probably in the new year sometime, and uh, hear a little bit more about that because uh, I think Paul Schoons is has got a book coming out soon, and uh, part and parcel of that might be, might be covered in that. I don't I, I don't want to promise anything that I'm not entirely sure of but we're hoping to at least get him on record and talk a bit and part of that will be about uh, finding that episode which 
ties in quite nicely with the uh, hotel. And I must admit, I I'd love to see uh, the Highlanders again. Well, I know we had him on. Well, Ian actually interviewed him um, for for us as well. It's it, he probably did it for both Cultum and um, for Doctor Upachuk. So uh, I know there's been a lot of when when that interview went out, there was a lot of positive feedback that we got, and people were looking forward to seeing you know hearing Paul Schoons again on our show. So hopefully, um, well, you know they can tune into um, well you keep us abreast when when it goes out. So I certainly will do. Okay. Now, here on Talk to You, Podshock, we like to bring you interviews. In fact, we have two interviews on this um, episode alone, and along with reviews and discussions. And but along with all that, we also like to cover events. And one big event that comes annually every year is Gallifrey One in February. And you heard us mention it at the beginning of this show that it's well, it's only just a couple months away now. It's February seventeenth through the nineteenth of twenty twelve. This would be our fifth year attending and covering and recording our live show on stage at the event. Though the only way we can get back to Gallifrey One this coming February is um, is with your help, with your support. We haven't even covered the course of attending past Gallifrey One events, let alone being able to cover the course for this upcoming show. So time is critical. We need you. We need your support. Now, the actual convention is not costly itself. Gallifrey One admissions has always been a reasonable one. But, you know, we are flying across the country to get there. There's the hotel. There's other expenses involved with bringing Dr. Who Pachuk to Los Angeles for this epic event. And at our current level of support that we're getting from our listeners, you know, it's just unfortunately it's, it's doubtful that we can do it again. So we really need your support to bring the show there and to be able to do and to you know this show and to continue doing this show if you've been considering becoming a pachuk supporting subscriber in the past or um now is the time to really really do it really um if you could please go to pachuk.net um and on the top there you'll find a banner there to uh for more information on subscribing if you had been a member in the past perhaps and maybe had your membership lapse you know, we urge you to consider becoming a supporting subscriber again for a very low monthly fee. You'll be helping support the show, helping bring the show to you on a more regular basis, more interviews. And as I said, the only way we can get to Gallifrey One is with your support. In fact, we're going to be launching some sort of um, extra campaign to help us get to Los Angeles for Gallifrey One this year. I know the times are tough right now, and it's hit our show most severely. I know it's uh, we're all feeling it, but unfortunately, um, unfortunately, we don't have psychic paper, so we can't kind of fool the airline attendants to uh, bringing us on board, and we definitely don't have a TARDIS. So uh, the only way we can really get to Gallifrey One is with your help. And if you are already a Pachak supporter, we want to thank you so much for your continued support. It does make a tremendous difference, and we thank you as always. So please go to either arttrap.com or podshock.net, and on the top banner there, you'll see a banner on how to become a Podshock supporting subscriber. It's really easy. You'll get extra shows when they're available, and uh, any other perks that we you know, have available, we will give them to our supporting subscribers as a thank you for their support. All right, well, um, I, I know this show is kind of running long, but we do have, I did promise in our last episode that we had a 
classic interview with Peter Davison, so maybe we'll round out the show with that. I, I know we wanted to get to some feedback, too, but maybe we'll hold the feedback until our next episode. Uh, but this is a an interview that goes that dates back to the mid-'80s. It's um, courtesy of Chuck Rabb, who did a uh, radio show back then on, um, on, I think it was W... Was it W... P W B E I, I think I, I might have the call letters um, wrong, but he was interviewing many Doctor Who guests on the Chuck Rabb show, and um, and this dates back to then. So um, this is a uh, Peter Davison, and so get into your TARDIS and go back to the mid '80s and put yourself in that time period. Chuck Rabb show. Our guest today is Peter Davison, the Doctor on Doctor Who. Peter, could you tell me what it was like for you to portray the Doctor? Um, well, I suppose it was um, quite mind-boggling, really. I had watched the program since um, 1963, when it started in um, Great Britain, when I was 12 years old. And I never really thought at that time that I would ever become the Doctor. <laughs> <laughs> so it was a hard process to um, come to terms with when I was offered the part. Before I could imagine myself playing it, mm -hmm. and I went to have lunch with the producer. And uh, at first, I was, gonna, I was going to turn it down, but um, he allayed my fears, and uh, I decided to do it. So, but it was a it was a rather strange experience following in the footsteps of someone who I've been a sort of fan of, really. So you hadn't watched it in a while. Oh yes, yes, yes. While you were portraying the Doctor. What was it like for you day to day? What was a typical day on the set? Well, we had enormous fun making it. I, I, <laughs> I, I, I sort of, the only way I can really work well is to enjoy what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. and, um, so the, the rehearsals generally speaking were a lot of fun. And I think most people who worked on Doctor Who when I was doing it, I think enjoyed it as a sort of, um, experience. Mm -hmm. uh, I can't guarantee what the end result results <laughs> like. I mean, most of the time, you see, it's we spend rehearsing, we spend 10 days rehearsing, right. and then we're in the studio for three days, uh, and we do this twice, and that makes up a four-parter. Mm -hmm. uh, so there are usually, at least when I was doing it, six days recording, mm -hmm. studio recording per story, plus any filming that we might do uh, outside. Um, so a, a rehearsal day would simply be starting at about 10.30 going through the scenes with uh, anything that looked even vaguely like the props were meant to be using. Mm -hmm. you know, if, if the villains had guns and they would be bits of uh, wood <laughs> nailed together, <laughs> to, um, they had a mock-up of the TARDIS console, which was a bit of uh, hardboard nailed to a chair, um, uh, with rude remarks written on by various people over the years. <laughs> so we did that um, for 10 days, and then we would go into the studio, and the studio day starts... Uh, with, say, rehearsal in the morning mm -hmm. of the scenes. You block the scenes with the cameraman who haven't seen the, the scenes before. And then in the afternoon, you go into record situation. Um, you get through as many scenes as you possibly can, and by about five to ten, you go into a state of total panic when you realize you haven't got all the scenes that you should have done recorded. And so you rush through about four scenes in the space of five minutes with practically no rehearsal. This is uh, <laughs> This is, uh, is the way that television is done, unfortunately, because of the restrictions of, of money and uh, time. You, there, there's not really basically enough time to do things at a leisurely pace. So you start off in a fairly relaxed manner and build up your sort of, uh, 
mm-hmm. speed at which you try and do things during the day. Did you find that pressure difficult to work with sometimes? Not really. I found it frustrating because you, you'd you'd end up uh, rehearsing things well mm-hmm. for ten days and then um, not quite doing justice to what you planned to do in the studio. But at that same time, that's what television is about. It's a sort of com- compromise. Mm-hmm. It's um, the way that you have to work. But I don't think that I found the pressure too much. No, I wouldn't say the pressure was too much. It was just a bit frustrating sometimes. Mm-hmm. Do you remember any story in particular that was more pleasurable to film than another? Um, I wouldn't. I don't know really. I enjoyed them all. I, I mean, I had immense fun doing Doctor Who. Uh, I think a good story. Um, I suppose to, uh, Time Flight, which I believe actually went out somewhere in America quite recently, mm-hmm. I talked about just, uh, just, just now, was immense fun to do. But again, it was one of those that it was unfortunately done at the end of the season when I think we were running a little low on money. So I don't know the production values were as high as they might have been. But we had a, a immense fun um, making it, actually making it. The, mm-hmm. the actors who were involved in it uh, as guest stars were very good fun to work with. And uh, I don't think you'd ask for much more than that. Except perhaps a bit more time. <laughs> the time is always a factor. Did you find it really different going from Tristan Farnan in All Creatures Great and Small to the Doctor? Oh, it's in, yes, an entirely different thing. Um, I suppose I felt a bit uh, under pressure to bring elements of, of uh, Tristan into Doctor Who, as you always do if you're known for a certain part. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a part of you that says, I want this, I want to be different in this. Mm-hmm. And there's a part of you that knows that you have to be at least recognizable in order to um, be uh, appealing to the public, I guess, right. in, in straightforward terms. Uh, but there was a, a program in, in um, Britain when I was just, when it was announced I was taken over, where they invited people along to say how they thought I should play it, which is mm-hmm. a fun idea to get members of the public along to ask. Uh, how I should play it. And uh, one young boy said he, that he thought I ought to be like Tristan but brave, <laughs> uh, which I guess was the best um, <laughs> sort of uh, summing up of the part as I started out, mm-hmm. I can think of. Um, I, I, I just dived into it, really. You know, following Tom Baker for seven years is a little daunting, but it, it was fun. very different from all creatures in, in every way, really. Right, and you didn't have a character background to do. Mm-hmm. Yes, it is fictional. Yeah, that is well. Not only yes, is it fictional, but of course you don't have the normal things that you can do with an earthbound character, whether right. it's fictional or not. You know, you can't say he came from this background. His father was like this. He mm-hmm. went to school here. You know, when you're when you're faced with someone who was um, brought up on Gallifrey as a time lord, it's a little difficult to sort of um, plot his uh, social background. How many conventions at this point have you done in America, or have you kept count? I haven't quite kept count. Let's see, one, two, three, four. About four, I would have said. Maybe five. Maybe five. And at this point, do you plan on doing more of these? I do. Um, I'm sort of uh, torn between my not being Doctor Who anymore Mm -hmm. now. And therefore, keeping a lower profile. I don't want. I'm not, I'm, I don't want to disassociate myself with the program in any way. But at the same time, um, I suppose this doesn't so much apply to America yet. But Colin Baker has taken over now. Right. Think, so in a way, I wanted to keep a low profile as regards that because I think that uh, you know I think uh, he, he's the doctor. 
definitely now I'm quite happy to let him take on that mantle. Mm -hmm. um, but at the same time, never stopping Doctor Who once right. being a doctor. So um, I'm very happy to, to come over and do conventions. So they're really great fun. From your point of view, at a, as a guest at a convention, what is it like for you to come over and get up in front of a crowd of viewers and field questions? Hmm. Well, I, I was when I, when I first came over, I was uh, doing my first convention, which was in Tulsa. Uh, I was very, very apprehensive about it because I'd never done anything like it before. Also, oh, no one in the um, no one in the convention hall, no one in America had seen me as the Doctor. They knew me from all creatures. Uh, so I was very apprehensive about it. You know, anything that I might say would just, they just wouldn't make any of it <laughs> at all. But uh, in fact, it, it was the easiest thing in the world. I mean, I actually just came on, on the stage and there was a marvelous round of applause. And then they asked me a question. I just answered it the best way I could and they'd applaud even louder. <laughs> so in fact, it was a very enjoyable experience. The worst thing about them is that uh, you rarely see the outside world. Right. I and mean, then I shouldn't think I'll take one step outside the hotel apart from into the taxi cab back to the airport which on, is on Monday, which is a shame because uh, you know, uh, Chicago's a lovely city, I believe. I flew over this morning. <laughs> uh, but it's just, it's just one of those things. If I had more time to stay on, then I would stay on you know, and make a kind of... We'll go one more question. Uh, do you have any uh, particular outside hobbies or interests that you like to do to relax when you're away from the acting? Um... I write songs. Mm -hmm. I haven't done many much in the past year because I've been quite busy. Uh, I read a lot. Uh, I quite like cars. I'm quite keen on mm -hmm. motor cars. Um, I think that's probably about all, really. Um, that sort of takes up a fair amount of my time. Like cricket. Mm -hmm. I used to, I mean, in the summer months, I used to play quite a lot of cricket. I didn't this year because I was uh, very busy, but um, I play when I can. I'm not, oh, yeah, I do. I'm not awfully good at it, but I, I try hard. That's uh, Peter Davison from the mid-'80s, and it's one of the common complaints from complaints that we heard interviewing many of the uh, um, actors that played characters in Doctor Who in that time was uh, at appearing at conventions was, um, you know, that you don't get to see where, you know, you, you go from the taxi you know, to uh, to the convention center and back again, and on the plane, and you don't really get to see, you know, the the surroundings that they're in. Apologies for the recording quality of that interview. There was a loud buzz through throughout the whole interview that we tried the best we could to eliminate that buzz and, and introduce some distortion, but at least we got the buzz down to um, so that you could hear the voices. Anyway, so that's um, I think that I, I want to thank Chuck Rab again for allowing us um, sharing that with our audience here. It's always great to have these uh, classic interviews that are set in, you know, in the time period, obviously, that they were recorded in and gives you a little insight to, um, to back then. Great. Well, we're going to, this show has run a little longer than uh, expected, so we were going to kind of review the Romans. I think we're going to maybe hold off on that. And also... Um, we have feedback to get to as well, so I know if you have sent in feedback, please know that we're going to get to that. Greg from Florida, um, Toby as well. Um, I'm just <laughs> running off some names that have sent us feedback, and if you, um, there are others as well that we're going to get to as well. So, uh, as always, you can send us feedback by you can go to the Gallifreyan Embassy site, which is um, either Gallifreyan Embassy dot org or Pachak dot net will probably be 
you know, easier to remember. Or you can call in to the public call box, the Pachak public call box, which is 206-984-3543. And that's probably the best way to leave feedback. And it's basically a voicemail system. You can just leave some feedback there and so that we can uh, play it on the show. I think that's going to round out the show. If anyone else has any other closing comments. Uh, no, I'd, I'd just like to clarify, by the way, when I, when I was talking about uh, Paul's schoons and the book and so on, uh, he's, he's not bringing out a book about uh, finding the lion. That was just coincidental uh, background of, uh, on on what he's doing um, at the moment. It's um, well, maybe should we remind people who that he he's responsible for doing the um, the texts in the DVDs, the the info texts. The infotext, yeah, and uh, he's also an author, and he, he, he's he got this book, the comic uh, strip companion book, which I think he's actually revising at the moment. Um, so I just want to clarify that, because uh, I didn't want people to suddenly get excited. There's a whole book going to be about the discovery. Uh, that's hopefully going to be the basis of the interview. Mm -hmm. He's currently working on other things himself. Yeah, we, I, like I said... Um it was a very good interview that, that that Ian did the first time, so I'm looking forward to the continuation of that. All right, well, we'll be back next week with another episode of Dr. Upachak, and once again, um, in the meantime, for those uh, for the for the pre-crawl and for uh, that Matt Smith interview, well, not really interview, but him uh, commenting about the Christmas special, Pachak.net is the website. We'll see you there, and... So we'll be back for our next episode of Dr. Pachak, which will be before the Christmas special. But um, in case um, you're not here listening, let me wish everyone a happy and merry holiday season for everyone. And, and I'm sure Dave and Graham and Ken would like to do the same. Yes. Uh, merry Christmas. Yeah, guys, if you're having a show without me, uh, to your listeners, I hope they have a really great uh, Christmas, and uh, thank you, Podshot, for providing some great content during the year. Merry Christmas and Happy New Beers. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Or whiskey, if that's your case. <laughs> We're in Dave's case, though. <laughs> well, have fun, be merry, and be safe. But oh, yeah. just be. <laughs> All right, cheers, everyone. Bye for now. Cheers. Bye. You have been listening to Doctor Who Podshock, presented by the fan-run GallifreyandEmbassy.org. Doctor Who is owned and trademarked by the BBC. Doctor Who Podshock is not affiliated with the BBC in any way. Doctor Who Podshock theme music by Jeff Smith at thejeffsmith.com. This has been a production of Art Trap Productions and is presented to you by the Gallifreyan Embassy and has been made possible in part by supporting subscribers and donations from listeners like you. This episode is also supported by the Podshock Podcast companion app for iOS devices, now available in the iTunes App Store. It's Christmas Day. I haven't missed it.